Amen. So turn with me in your Bibles today to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. <clears throat> We're going to end this series this morning. There's so much more we can continue on. It's called A Better Way, and it's primarily been looking at the from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is known as the love chapter. We've been using that as, as the primary text for, for uh, knowing and just looking at different aspects of our lives and seeing how we can do better in so many different areas of our lives. We can do better in our marriages. We can do better in the training up of our children. We can do better in, in, in being students. We can be better as employers or employees. Just any, any arena of life, we can, we can do better in it. Just loving one another, we can do better. We can be kinder. We can be more patient. All the fruit of the Spirit, there's so much more to be developed. And so that, that's been... The primary focus that's been uh, spoken over the last several weeks. So I want to use this particular story in, in Luke chapter 10. It's uh, titled The Parable of, of the Good Samaritans. So you may be familiar with it. If not, just read along with us and you know, we'll introduce it to you. But let's go, let's go ahead and read it and then I'll go ahead and give you the, the highlights that I believe that God wants to draw our attention to today. So it starts in verse 25 of Luke chapter 10. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, speaking of Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit, inherit eternal life? It's very important that you understand, uh, make a note of that question. This is what started the whole dialogue. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, before we read any farther, what must we do to inherit eternal life? Must we do good works? Must we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? By grace, through faith, we're saved? Amen. So remember that. That's what Jesus is basically answering. Love your neighbor, which is Jesus. Love your neighbor, accept him into your heart as, the, as Lord and Savior, the forgiver of your sin. So, Verse 26, he said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? He's wanting to get more clarification. Who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, you know, to bring clarification, now he's given this particular parable. Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and banished his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and what... Whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Which, so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him, Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. 
So speaking of a better way, love being a better way, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 tells us now abides faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Notice the greater way is the better way. Love will always inspire faith and hope. And so love is the better way. So we always want to take the high road. We want to be responding in the love of God. We want to be patient in God's love. We, we want to be kind in God's love. Everything we're doing, we want it to be motivated by the love of God. As he loved us, that's how we are to love one another. As he forgave us, that's how we're to forgive one another. And, and it just goes on and on through all the different uh, responsibilities of life that we're to love one another. But here in the parable the good uh, of this Good Samaritan story, Jesus gave the parable in response to the lawyer's question in verse 29, who's my neighbor? Then, uh, of course, Jesus then responded with the parable. And he said, in verse 30, he said, the, uh, it tells us that the man went from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among the thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. So I want you to notice that this man fell among the thieves. John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus tells us that the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come to bring life and that you might have it more abundantly. So the thief is talking about the enemy, Satan. He fell among the thieves. And, and what, what happened as a result of falling among the thieves is that Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. It resulted in him being stripped and being wounded and being left for half dead. It's a threefold curse of the law. Spiritual death, separation from God, sickness and disease, and poverty. And so that's what it's referring to here. So the man was stripped, poverty, he was wounded, sickness, disease, half dead, referring to spiritual, spiritual death. Half, half dead is significant in this story because in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17 is when God spoke to Adam and told him not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that if he partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he would surely die. Well, as the story goes, Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they died, but yet they lived for many more years. So how can you die and yet live? Well, it's talking about, you know, God was saying you will surely die. He wasn't talking about you're going to fall over physically dead. He, he talked, died there. The word death there means he's separated from God. Alive physically, but spiritually separated from God. Speaking of half dead or eternal death abiding in man. And so this man in this particular story was stripped. He was wounded and he was a... Uh, Half dead, half dead. And so we need to recognize and realize that when it's, when, uh, when it's referring to here is that he's alive physically, but he's not alive spiritually. That's why even all of us, you know, we have all been born into sin, but the good news is we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and our spirit is recreated, and it's made brand new. We are now alive unto God, fully alive. Now it can be said of us, and Jesus refers to it about us, is that even though you will die, yet you will live. So it kind of like plays games with your mind if you don't understand the difference between physical death and spiritual death or spiritual life. And so you want to just continue to ponder that and, and receive that into your heart. Then in verse 31 and 32, so the man is, he's, he's wounded, 
He's half dead. He, he was stripped of his possessions, his clothing. And then in verse 30, it says, Now by chance, everyone say by chance. By chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, what did he do? Passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Have you ever felt like you've been stripped, like you've been wounded and like you're half dead? Have you ever had a day like that? Did you ever wake up one morning and say, man, I don't feel alive today. I, I am wounded. I'm crushed. I just feel stripped of all dignity. Have you ever had a day like that? And then, you, you know, you finally you force yourself to get with it and, 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 and to engage in society. And the very first person you bump, you know, that, that you see that you, you think might be bringing you some, some, uh, some peace and some comfort, they completely ignore you. They <laughs> just blow you off. And then you pull yourself together again, and sure enough, here you come. Someone else comes across your path, and you think, oh, good, here comes, here's some come. This, this person surely is going to lift me up. This person's going to sympathize with me, and this person's going to understand my situation and blow you off. Now you're really having a bad day. So that's what this person's feeling like. He, you know, he was wounded, stripped of his possessions, and left half dead, separated. The priest and the Levite come by and they offer nothing. Matter of fact, they go out of their way to just ignore the person. The priest and the Levite in, 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 in this particular story are types of the law of Moses. Type of the law. And it couldn't bring the remedy. The law could not bring the remedy that this person is looking for. It could not bring a solution to what was going on in this person's life. Just mark your place here and turn to Galatians chapter 3 for a moment. Galatians, the third chapter, beginning at verse 19, gives us the purpose of the law. Says, what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, Truly, righteousness or right standing would have been given by the law. Notice the law couldn't do what this person was needing. But the scripture, verse 22, but the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, here, now it's clarifying, answering the question, the purpose of the law. Therefore, the law was our tutor or our teacher, schoolmaster, to bring us to Christ. Notice the law pointed the way, but the law was not the way. The law could not do it, but the law made you realize that I am half dead, I'm stripped, and I'm wounded. But... 
the law can't bring me spiritual life and it can't restore what's going on, but it can point in the direction. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith, but after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Notice we're no longer under the law, which was a teacher, an instructor, pointing the way to Jesus. All the types and the shadows and all the, the, the ceremonial things that were uh, confined within the law were all types and shadows of our coming Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But now we have Jesus. That's why we're told that we're no longer under the law. We are now under grace. And so what Jesus is saying here is that the priest and the Levite being types of the law are not the solution. They can point you to the solution, but they're not the solution. The priest and the Levite couldn't offer any help here. That's why they went by on the other side. They passed by on the other side. But the good news is in verse 33, a certain Samaritan, everyone say a certain Samaritan. A certain Samaritan type of Jesus as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. A better way, a better way to do life is to do life in the compassion and in the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, not under the legalistic system of the law of Moses. We're no longer under law. We're under the grace of God. We're under the law of love, which fulfills all the requirements of the law of Moses. They're all fulfilled by the love of God. And so a better way to do life is, is to love one another, is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and, 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 and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's the better way to do life, is, is the way of love. So the Samaritan had compassion. He had compassion. So he went to him and he bandaged his wounds. Bandaged his wounds. Thank God for healing. Pouring on oil and wine. Oil is a type of salvation. Wine is a type of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He brought healing, salvation, the fullness of the Spirit into this person's life. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Compassion on display, the better way on display, a stark contrast between what the law could do and what love could do. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Now, that's a really tough answer, right? <laughs> After the contrast, the priest and the Levite saw him and just said, ah, don't have time for that. I have nothing to offer you. I'll just go over on the other side of the road and pretend I never saw you. And then Samaritan stopped and had compassion, went to him and bandaged his wounds, poured in the oil of salvation and the wine of the Holy Spirit, put him on his donkey took him to the inn type of the church and, and told the innkeeper, the Holy Spirit, take care of him. Now, which one was neighbor? Which one do you think was the neighbor? The good Samaritan. You have answered correctly. <laughs> that was not a trick question, by the way. <laughs> that, was, that was open book, as open book as you can get it. 
But here's one I want to share with you this morning from this story. There's many different types and shadows we can go with, and I've heard of lots of good teachings from this particular parable. As all parables, I love hearing teachings on them because there's so many uh, applications to them multiple ways that it can be applied uh, into our lives today. But I want to share with you some practical, uh, three practical expressions from this, from this parable, in, in three practical expressions of the love of God in doing life a better way. The first practical expression that I see here, I'm going to call it the grace of God. Everyone say the grace. Grace, grace of God. Notice it's grace over law. It's grace over the uh, it's grace over the law. The priests and the Levites had offered no solution. It's by grace we have been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So it's so much better for us to be uh, in doing life a better way that we learn to govern our lives by the grace of God. Notice the Bible tells us in Romans 4, 16, we're no longer under sin, for we're no longer under law, but under grace. So we're not slaves to sin. We're not slaves to, uh, to this world system. We are under the grace of God. And it's important that we become established, that we become rooted and grounded in the grace of God, God's grace in our lives and his favor upon our lives, and that, that, that we do life from a, a, a grace-filled position where we're not holding people accountable, we're not being legalistic, we're not being dogmatic, uh, but we're, we're, we're simply people who have, have been recipients of the grace of God. We are recipients of the, of the salvation that's been provided to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We're, we're excited about it. We're resting in it. We're doing life in grace. Amen. Amen. Say, well, that's too hard to figure out. Say, well, if I'm doing life in grace, and you know, what about church? What church should I attend? I have a clue. <laughs> There's a clue. Anybody want to guess? Grace. You got it. You got it. <laughs> See, Nathan, they're waking up. They're <laughs> The grace. Matter of fact, there's a scripture for it in Colossians. We're to sing, to, we're to sing together with grace. Amen. Amen. So don't ever wake up trying to figure out where am I supposed to go or people say, what church should I go to? It's grace. It's all over the word of God. Amen. It's Grace Church. And so a practical expression of doing life a better way is to be, is, is to be expressing life through, the, through grace. And you do that by being established in God's grace toward you. The second practical expression I want to share with you this morning, I, I call it genuine compassion. Say genuine compassion. It's very important that you understand that it needs to be genuine compassion because there's a lot of stuff going on in, in our lives that may look like compassion, but it's not the real thing. You want real compassion. So it's a genuine compassion that transforms what we believe into how we live. A compassion that transforms what we believe into how we live. Have you ever been moved with compassion about something but have done nothing about it? I have lots of times. I am moved by things I see and hear, but I don't do anything about it. So the question begs to be asked, was it really compassion or just did it feel like compassion? Hmm? Was it compassion or was it something that just felt like compassion? Just chew on that for a while and then we'll come back to it. 
but it's a genuine compassion that transforms what I believe, a genuine compassion that transforms what we believe into how we live, into how we live. Now turn to uh, Matthew chapter 9. There's many different statements of, of Jesus now. He was moved with compassion. In Matthew 9, we have this recording in verse 35, Matthew 9, 35. It says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, the labors are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest and send not labors into the harvest. So notice here that Jesus, in his compassion, he was teaching, he was preaching, he was healing, he was uh, uh, every disease among the people. But, and then when he saw multitudes, he was, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered and sheep having no shepherd. Well, what does a shepherd do for the sheep? Provides for the sheep, protects the sheep, right? So from a spiritual standpoint, it's talk, again, it's the importance of being involved in, in the local church that God has planted you into, that, that Jesus, had, he was moved with compassion, and he was concerned that the people, they were scattered, and they were like sheep without a shepherd. So don't allow yourself to be scattered, to be splintered off from, from the, in this sense, this terminology here would be splintered off from the flock. You, know, you want to make sure that you always stay where God has planted you and, and, and that you grow where you're planted and you grow where you're loved and you grow where you're protected and you, you grow where you're being nourished. You know, the good shepherd, he leads, he guides, he directs, provides, protects, and just, you know, so you, you want to make sure that you take full advantage of that. And so Jesus was moved with compassion and, and met people's needs, healed provided, protected. Uh, Jesus was moved with compassion when the two blind men, when Jesus was coming by and the two blind men were crying out and, and, then, and Jesus said, what do you want me to do? And they said, we, uh, we might receive our sight. He was moved with compassion and he laid hands on them and they received their sight. So it's just different, uh, many different stories of, of Jesus and, uh, that are documented that he was moved with compassion. So that was a genuine compassion. And it's that compassion that transforms what we believe into how we live. So here's what I want to just talk about, camp on here just for a few moments on the idea of a genuine compassion versus something else that may look like compassion or feel like compassion, but perhaps it's not compassion. Let me share this with you. Uh, compassion, first of all, genuine compassion is difficult to express on the run. It doesn't mean that if you don't stop, you don't care. But it does mean that no one will know that you care and experience the compassion you have for them. If you don't slow down at the appropriate moments, and we say appropriate moment, 
the reason I say appropriate moment, because I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the different times when I would see something on television, I would hear something at a, at a church service or something else, a, a, a mailer would be presented to me, whether it has a, a, a child with a bulging belly because of malnourishment, whether it has children that are being uh, practically dying of thirst because they have no water, whether it be Peter putting something out, he said Peter puts the stuff out about animals, and when they do it in the wintertime, you're sitting there, your fireplace is on, and you're watching television, all of a sudden comes up on your screen, a dog is shivering in the cold, and, they, you know, and they're asking you to send money to help rescue these dogs, and when you're seeing that dog shivering on television in the cold, you think, oh my goodness, that's so terrible, how could people do that, they shouldn't be doing that, but then the commercial goes off and the money never gets sent. That happens to me so often. I see things and it touches my heart. But I don't stop and do anything about it. Does that mean that I'm not a compassionate person? Does that mean that you're not compassionate? Let me share something with you that I hope will set you free today. Not to be a do-nothing person, but to set you free to stay focused. When this was written... When we received the word of God, when the idea of love doing life a better way, being involved in community, being involved in, in what we're supposed to be doing, and then having a genuine compassion flowing through us. Because I'll be honest with you, I get presented with so many things, I just get flat out exhausted. I don't know what to do. I don't know which one to serve. And I end up serving none and doing nothing and sending nothing. I'm being very transparent with him, being honest. I'm not a sucker for commercials, I guess you put it that way. You're gonna have to do a better job. <laughs> but that's not my point. My point being is when this instruction was given, we didn't have the sphere of influence that we have today. In other words, I want to delete that word. It's one of my goals for the year. One of my, one of my uh, commitments for the year is to stop saying and just go on and say what I want to say. So here's what I want to say. <laughs> now I forget what I was going to say. <laughs> what was I going to say? Does anybody remember? I honestly, I forgot. <laughs> Have some compassion on me here. Come on, people. <laughs> You're being really tough today. <laughs> the sphere of influence was very small compared to today. Notice there was no newspapers. There were no televisions. There was no internet. There was none of the social media platforms that we have today. And so today we get bombarded with so much, we, we are aware of so many things going on all around the globe and beyond the globe, depending on who you listen to, of things we should do. <laughs> are you following me? There's so much that we are made aware of, and it can be absolutely exhausting trying to think, or overwhelming, thinking, well, how can I... How can what the little bit I can do even make a difference? 
And then we are exhausted and we're thinking, well, mine's not going to make any difference, so I'm not going to do anything. I use the example of a, you know, seeing things on social media or television, wherever you see it, you know, whether it be uh, children in need or whether it be dogs shivering in the freezing cold and someone needs to do something to rescue these animals and so forth. And we're seeing all these different things. But we don't have the capacity. We don't have the capacity, nor do I think God is expecting us to be taken care and being moved with compassion about everything to the point that we just, like I shared, we're exhausted, we don't know what to do, and we think, well, my little bit that I can do for all these different needs that are out there, what I can do isn't gonna make any difference and end up doing nothing. So here's what I'm proposing to you. I know that I know that I know that if my neighbor's dog were to come up on my back porch and it's freezing cold out and the dog was looking like it's starved and it's sitting out there just shivering, I would take care of it. I know that. That's in my sphere of influence. I know that if I saw it, I would not just go to bed and let the dog out there. I wouldn't let it in my bedroom. You all know that. Nor would I let it in my living room, but I might leave it in the garage. You know, so I'm going to do something to warm the dog. I'm going to feed the dog. I'm going to take care of the dog. I know that if some of my family members in my family of origin, my family of origin is huge compared to yours, all right? I have like 100 nieces and nephews just on my side of the family, and I have six more on, how many more on your side? <laughs> Four. <laughs> it's like, go figure. But anyway... I know that in my sphere of influence, in my family, in my local church, that if I know that a child is starving, I'm going to go out of my way to feed the child. I'm going to go out of my way to rescue the child. So I think we need to learn, to, in, in a sense, we need to learn to stay in our lanes, you know, to swim in your lane, to stay in the, in, in the field that God has planted you in. Now, I know that when you read the book, when you read through the early church, they had missions. They had missionaries being sent out to different communities, but it might be a local church having one mission going out, doing something in one community. It wasn't one church trying to take care of the whole world and, and being proud to say the sun never sets on our missionaries. Bless God, we have missionaries all over the world. I can't tell you who they are or what they're doing, but we're sending money. And that makes me compassionate. Is it okay if I'm just being honest with you? Let's just slow it down. Genuine compassion cannot be expressed on the run, nor is it something that we compete with other people or other ministries with. We do what God has called us to do, and when you have genuine compassion, you will, you will, just like it did here in the story, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He had compassion, and the next line tells us, so he went. So compassion, genuine compassion, you will stop, and you will go. You'll stop what you're doing, and you will go to the person that has need. And I can 
say to you without any guilt or any condemnation that I have been working on that for some time, realizing that, listen, I need to recognize what does God want me to invest in? Can I stop for every car that has a flat tire? I don't know. I guess I could. I don't know. Am I supposed to? I don't know. Do I sell them? Have I ever? Yes. But, you know, it's just how do we process this whole thing? Does that mean I'm not compassionate if I see a car pulled over and people are stranded? Should I go get some water for them? Or if it's cold, should I go get some coffee or hot chocolate? What should I do? Should I do anything? And perhaps those thoughts never go through your mind. Perhaps I'm the only one that has any <laughs> inkling of compassion at all. I don't know, but you know, I don't think so. I'm sure you've rested. You know, what do you do when you see a car stranded? If you, go, you leave here today and you see a car along the highway and there's people in the car, they got cell phones, no big deal. Help us on the way. You Levite. <laughs> <laughs> We call ourselves Levites. <laughs> Take care of yourself, bless God. Levites, we point the way. <laughs> the next exit. <laughs> oh my. Grace, practical expressions of compassion, is filled with grace. Filled with grace. Expressions of doing life a better way. Rooted and grounded in grace is a genuine compassion that transforms what we believe into how we live. And we will slow down at the appropriate moment. And we say the appropriate moment. That's my prayer that we have that wisdom, that we have the appropriate moment. This is the person that God wants me to help. This is the situation that God wants me to invest in. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm being led by the Holy Spirit. I met someone before church today that they said just started coming back in November when I was on sabbatical, and they were happy to meet me and so forth. And he said, he's glad to be here. He's really looking forward to learning to be led by the Spirit. And then he made this statement. He said, it's really difficult. And I applaud that honesty. It, is, it can be difficult to be led by the Spirit because we have so many voices, so many opportunities, so much that we see, so much that we hear. Say, where should I be invested? What should I be doing? The third ex practical expression of doing life a better way is generosity. Everyone say generosity. So I see the Samaritan as someone that's filled with grace, not the law, but under grace. Someone that has genuine compassion, that, that, that transforms what we believe into how we're living, and also practical, a practical expression of a better way is, is a person that is, has generosity. The Samaritan, he went to him and he poured in oil and wine. He banished his wounds, poured in oil and wine, set him on his own animal, brought him to the inn, took care of him. On the next day when he departed, took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Generosity. We're doing life a better way. I want to encourage us to let's get in tune with how the Holy Spirit is leading, guiding, and directing. You are on a journey as well. The priest and the Levite were on a journey. This man that was robbed was on a journey, but he didn't make it. He got robbed. He was left for half dead. The priest and the Levite were on a journey, and they just kept on their journey. But the good Samaritan stopped, and he went to the person, and he took care of the person. Healing, salvation, 
fullness of the spirit, and then providing, providing. Took him to the inn, the church, and told the innkeeper, the Holy Spirit, take care of him, and whatever you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. Folks, you will never, ever go broke being moved with compassion, appropriate, genuine compassion. Amen? You may feel like you're going broke by just giving to a whole bunch of different things because you, and I'm going to tell you something. Senior citizens, listen to me. Someday I'll be in your shoes, so... That was a very bad time to laugh. <laughs> it has not been uncommon experience for me as pastor of Grace Fellowship Church for senior citizens when they come to a place where the church comes, needs to come in and to help them and assist them in their, in their closing years, one of the financial problems, one of the financial problems is that many times it, ha- it happened quite often where the people have gotten involved in giving to almost every television broadcast that's out there because they're spending a lot of time at home, they're spending a lot of time watching television and they get moved and they feel like, I need to support that. I need to support that. And you start talking to them about their budget, how we can work with their budget and say, what's your budget look like? It's not been uncommon. It's that you need to stop giving to all these different things. You just need to stop it. You don't have it within your wherewithal to do it. And they're not doing it in faith. They were doing it out of guilt. Are you following me? Just being honest with you. Just being honest with you. Be wise. Genuine compassion. I don't want you to leave here being, oh, bless God, I have resolved now. I'm not being moved by anything. No. <laughs> I can just, you know, if, if ever you're going to be stranded in our community, it would be up here along 222 in about 15 minutes when everyone's leaving church. I can see about four cars pulling over. May I help you? May I help you? And perhaps you need to, but the Holy Spirit will tell you which one is for you and which one may be for someone else or that they're okay. They're just making a phone call. Don't stop and bother them. But be wise. And I'm sharing this with you. So you're not like sheep without a shepherd being scattered and your resources are being scattered, but it's not coming back to you. When you're sowing your resources appropriately, it should be coming back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And I didn't realize that it got this late. I was really having fun today. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Genuine compassion. Amen. Did you hear me this morning? Did you understand what I'm trying to communicate? All right, well, then you can go home. (laughs) Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you for every household represented here today. I thank you, Lord God, for leading, guiding, and directing. And Father, my prayers for, for we as a congregation here at Grace Fellowship Church, that we hear the voice of your spirit and we have discernment, Father God, that we are wise as serpents and harmless as doves and we are led by the spirit of the living God in Jesus' name and that we are not deceived, but Lord God, we have a strong discernment 
discerning what you would have us to do and how we are to be moved and when we are to stop and, and, and to come alongside. And when we do stop and come alongside, it's not just to pat someone on the shoulder, but it's like the Samaritan here. He brought healing. He, he, he brought salvation. He brought the Holy Spirit. And he brought a, a financial provision to take care of the person. So, Lord God, that we can really get involved, that we do life a better way and not just flippantly going through life, but that we slow down and that we hear the voice of your spirit and be led by the Holy Spirit. For some of us that may be running faster, for others that may be walking wiser and slower, just whatever. I just pray for all of us, Lord God, to have discernment that we're not being deceived in Jesus' name, that we are being good stewards of what you have given us to do in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.